this morning, why don't you just lift up? We'll just do it silently, but maybe speak your words to God. Just whatever the cry of your heart is this morning, he hears you. He listens. Just lift that cry before him. And Lord, we are here before you now to receive your word. You who are the eternal word come with the living word even as you already have begun speaking to us throughout this morning God you have spoken from the moment we woke up from the first awareness of the first breath of the day Lord you have been with us and you are with us now come now release Lord that which is in your heart to us and for us this day glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. May be seated in his presence. Thank you, worship team. Mm. For those of you that haven't figured out exactly who I am yet, my name is Pastor Jim Olson, and I have the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship for the last 22 years now, and um, what a joy and a delight it is, and we really are excited about welcoming you, you who are new among us to our house today. It really is a, just a wonderful time, very relaxed, um, very enjoyable, so please do come. We'll have plenty of food, and we'd love to, love to have you um, with us today. This morning, we are completing a series that we began um, shortly after Easter, entitled Daring Do. And our, uh, you know, if you've got your bulletin in front of you, you can probably read more clearly than you can read on the screen. But the, the quote that we, uh, we placed on the, uh, as kind of a header for this particular series is actually from Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, the world needs dreamers, the world needs doers, but most of all, the world needs dreamers who are doers. This is a year to dream here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. And um, this series is intended to help us move from merely daydreams to, uh, to actual uh, life dreams being fulfilled. Um, Tom sent me this week. It was great. Let me see. I think I've got it right in here. A little uh, something that uh, he had spotted. Where did it go, Tom? Come on. Right here. Let's see, there it is. A little post it note. It says, The perfect day, going to bed with a dream and waking up with a purpose. I love that. Going to bed with a dream, waking up with a purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. We have a purpose, individually and corporately. And that purpose is really to fulfill God's dream for us and in our lives and through our lives. And, and what that's required in order to fulfill that purpose is daring do. Which, of course, is a play on words because there is an old English word, daring do, which means to do great exploits in the face of opposition and, ad, and, and adversity. Like I mentioned, uh, I think at the beginning of the series, I used to, as a kid, used to love 
to watch. Um, we didn't hardly watch TV at all, but there was family classics. Fraser Thomas, this was in Chicago, and he would sit in a little armchair and introduce um, a movie, and, and almost inevitably it was, um, it was not chick flicks, sorry. It was great flicks for young guys like Zorro and, you know, all of these wonderful deeds of daring do, do deeds of exploit, going out and doing something significant. Because guess what? We're made for significance. We're not made just simply to sort of occupy space and breathe each other's air. We're made for something that has substance, something that has significance, something that ultimately will provide satisfaction for our lives. Now we've been, um, over this time, Romans 15.4 has been very significant to us. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So over the last eight weeks, we've been, and, and, and this is the eighth week, we've been looking at various men and women from the past who have taught us about endurance and who have brought to us encouragement, who have brought courage into our lives. That's what encouragement is. It's sort of the breathing in or the breathing out of, encourage, of, of courage that is caught in, and it's like a, a bellows into our soul to increase our capacity to do these deeds of daring do. So we've looked at Abraham, who was encouraged by the Lord literally in the King James Version. It says, Abraham, it's time to get out. Don't settle for something less or something else than what I have for you. It's time to move out from your carefully constructed place of comfort. We've heard a lot about that throughout these eight weeks. Gideon, it was to step up. You know, mighty warrior, and, and Gideon's looking around saying, who? And God says, you. And it's the encouragement to all of us when we understand our identity in Christ, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do, and what you need to do is to step up into God's call in your life. For Hannah, it was really about looking up. It was recognizing that to do these deeds of doing, she poured out her heart unto the Lord, and through dying to herself and her own dreams, she lived for the dream that God would bring her, her son Samuel, who become so significant. David, it was all about looking around. It's discovering where God is at work in our ordinary lives, doing that God hunt, looking for ways. It's like when you, um, have you ever had the experience of of, I don't know, um, I've never bought a new car in my life, but I've gotten a car in my life, and suddenly everybody on the road is driving the same car you're driving, you know? Well, they're not any more than they were the moment before you got that, but now you're paying attention. What we need to do is begin to pay attention. Where is God at work around us? Look around. 
For Mary, it's push on, push through. You know, there was, obviously there was a dream birth in Mary, literally birth, the, the, um, the incarnation, the wonder of God coming and overshadowing and the Holy Spirit and the birth of Jesus through Mary. But it required from her an ability to push through. And, and Annette gave a beautiful illustration of those trimesters that happen in the birth of a dream when nothing's showing and it doesn't look like anything's happening, but you know that God has planted something in your life. And then there's that, that season, the second season, that's the season of energy and you're excited about the dream and it's beginning to show and people are beginning to wonder and ask and it's a marvelous thing. And then in that third trimester, that's where things get interesting. And that's when you move towards transition and something new gets birthed in your life. And in the midst of that, the encouragement of the Lord is to push on. For Peter, it was God doing, I mean, totally scrambling his eggs. By the way, did you know that God has permission to do that in your life? Do you know that he really actually, I think, takes delight sometimes? in sort of just reframing stuff in our mind. You know, we think we're going a particular direction. We think that we've got a particular understanding of something, and then God sort of goes, you ever had one of those moments, all right? When, when, you know, and it kind of sounds like that because the hinges are kind of set in place, and they're a little creaky, and then he comes in and goes, wow, I didn't see it that way before. Well, that was Peter up on the roof in a trance, waiting for lunch. Just like guys. Okay, in a trance, and God speaks to him, lowers the net, lowers the, the canvas, and shows him all of it. Kill and eat, and oh, I can't eat that. And God says, don't call impure what I've called pure. And God, in that moment, opens the door and begins to break Peter out of his carefully constructed cultural confines. Ooh. Seats. Carefully constructed cultural confines. This is the anointing flowing right there. Okay. All right. Don't you be shaking your head. Breaking them out. God wants to break us out. It's time to enlarge the place of our tents. Stretch your tent curtains wide. God's doing that right now among us. You know, did you know that, that next week another congregation that's desiring to partner with us is going to be joining us? That's the Corinne congregation. Thomas preached there. I have preached there. They, Pastor Tom and Kathy of the Corinne church, Pastor Tom and Kathy, love. They've been bringing their youth Wednesday nights. They're part of, they're becoming part of the body. There's about 100 of them. Okay. We really do need your help. If you can, if you have extra seats in your car and you'd be willing to pick up some folks, it would be enormously helpful. This is part of what it means to be a house of prayer for all nations. It means making yourself available. It means pouring yourself and giving of yourself. So sign up, please, and let us know if you can pick some folks up. We'll get you hooked up with the right person to do that. But we really need help because many of them are newer to the country, some have just arrived. They don't have 
cars and driver's licenses and all of those things, all right? So we have an opportunity along with, and we're already moving a lot of our Bhutanese families around. So please sign up for that. All right, but God's at work doing something, adding to this house, to the family of churches. Paul, you know, last week was Pentecost Sunday, which it was, if, if you weren't here, I'm sorry that you missed it. And if you were, I'm glad you were here because we had an opportunity to, again, reflect on the power of Pentecost and, and specifically the call of Jesus, which says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends, the farthest parts of the earth. You will. And God has a plan and a purpose. His kingdom vision, as was already read this morning by Andrew from Revelation 7, 9, is that around that throne, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group will be there. Which brings us to this morning. So we've looked at all of these great men and women of faith. And now I'm going to actually begin my message in a portion of Scripture that in all my years of preaching, I've never preached on. And so come with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament, so it'll be right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from a rack in front of you or behind you if you're in the front row. Just grab one from behind you and make use of that. I love to hear the sound of those pages. Thank you so much, Dale, for sharing with us again about the ministry of Gideons. We really do love the Gideon ministry. They are a, a very integral ministry, which we are grateful to partner with, and thank you for giving towards them, and you can continue to give. And if you would like to participate with the Gideons more directly in their ministry, men, talk to Dale uh, after service if you are interested in being a part of the ministry. It's great, great, great ministry. All right, so love the rustle of pages. All right, Romans 16. So you're going to the very last chapter in the book of Romans. While you've been finding that, I want to share a scripture not in Romans, but in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's what I'd like you to do with me for a moment. So I would like to really take this, and Peter's speaking to a group of people who are, who are huddling together in the midst of great persecution. They're undergoing persecution. He's speaking to them and reminding them of who they are. But the word still comes down to us today and resonates down into our spirit today. And we need to grab hold of this word. So here's what I'd like you to do with me. And it'll take you just a little bit in your head. You'll have to make a little bit of, of, of an adjustment. Here's what I want us to do. I'd like to read this scripture together that's on the screen, 1 Peter 2. But change from the you to, the, to we. Because this is, this is reality. This is who he's saying we are, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to start together. One, two, three. But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. That's a really helpful way to kind of, sometimes when you're reading through Scripture, like we have in Saturate, to, to, to immerse yourself in the Word and, and remind yourself, I mean, because these are not just dusty words on a page, these are living Word into our life. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. There's a, there's a theological um, phrase that you may have heard of. It's called the priesthood of all believers. And this scripture is part of the foundational, you know, foundation for that theological construct. What it means is, is that we don't have to go through, I mean, there's a couple things about this. One is we don't have to go through some earthly person in order for us to have relationship with God. Okay? We have that through Christ. Okay? And in that sense... Because we have access, we are all priests of the Lord. Because a priest of the Lord is one who stands before the Lord to bring the heart of God to the people of God and the heart of the people back to the heart of God. But that's us. We are a royal priesthood. And someone once said, and it's always stuck with me, and I think it's appropriate, and I think it's part of what I want to emphasize this morning is in the first reformation that took place with Luther the word of God was returned to the people of God I believe that in the reformation of what God is doing in our day and age is is nothing less than really a second reformation where he is returning the work of God into the hands of the people of God that's what it means to be a part of the priesthood of all believers. And that's where I want this morning to invite you, you who are here this morning, anyone who will ha- happen to hear this, we've got all of the DVDs, not DVDs, CDs, back in the back um, of all of these messages, and you can always get those in the PowerPoint or you can download them on the website, and you can send them. And it's amazing sometimes when I hear from people who are receiving these messages. And I would encourage you to take them and distribute them and let folks know. What I want to do, what I want to um, catalyze in your spirit this morning, what I want to exhort you, what I want to provoke you towards this morning, is that you would join us with the priesthood of all believers. And where I'd like to begin is in Romans chapter 16, the verse, first 16 verses. So I'm going to read this. This is sort of like New Testament book of Numbers for a moment, but, but a little more interesting. But still, it's, it's, 
It's a lot of names, which I'm going to butcher some of the names. So forgive me for those of names I've butchered. Forgive me in absentia for what I've done to your name. All right. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, or Junia, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampelatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncretus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petro- Petrobus, Hermes, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Those of you that are pregnant, ladies, lots of name opportunities. <laughs> right there. All right. Now, now, why is this important to us? Why is it important that we pause for a moment to look and read, and even I'm going to try to give a little bit of background on a few of these names. What, what, why is that significant? Because here's why. What's that? He wants us to do that for sure. He wants us to greet and recognize and affirm one another. Yes, and see. And the thing is, sometimes when we come to the scriptures and we think of daring do, you know, and, and part of this is just the nature of, of, of some of the, you know, the realities of when we get into the word. Is, so we've looked at a lot of these great men and women. So we've looked at Abraham and David and Mary and Hannah and, you know, all these incredible men and women and David and, and, and Paul and Peter. And, and we go, wow, that's great for them. I'm so glad they did deeds of daring do, but... You don't know my life. I'm just ordinary. I'm right here. Well, here's some ordinary people who have an extraordinary God. Because that's what this is really all about. It's about ordinary people doing extraordinary, because of an extraordinary God, doing extraordinary deeds of daring do. Do you, do you see that? Do you get that? Okay. So here's some things about these people that I just took note of. There's 26 individuals listed here, five house churches, 17 men, nine women, multiple cultures. There's at least Jewish, Latin, and Greek names, plus there's background uh, on some of them that, that there's many, many different cultures here. There are multiple backgrounds. There's rich, poor, slave, free, young, and older. 
and multiple ministries, deacon, apostle, fellow worker, helper, friend. There's a number of different things that are listed here, right embedded in these words, and we need to take note of them. Let me highlight just a few things. Well, there's Phoebe. Now, she's Phoebe is a pagan name. Now, remember, virtually all of these people are first-generation believers. It's only when we get to Timothy that we have sort of a generational thing going on, but right now we're talking about mostly first-generation leaders here. Priscilla and Aquila. Now, they were, um, you know, they were entrepreneurial. They have house church. They do uh, all kinds of stuff. They do things together. They, um, they have powerful ministry as a husband and wife working. They risked their lives, greet the church that meets in their house, all of those things. Epinetus in verse th- uh, 5, he is a first fruit in the whole province of Asia. We've got Mary. Now, there's a number of Marys that are listed in the New Testament. We don't know which Mary this is, but we do know this. She worked very hard for you. Andronicus and Junia. This is another likely husband and wife team. They're relatives. They don't mean necessarily specifically. It's like I've, I've discovered like everybody, anybody who's from like the Congo is a relative. Whether you are blood relative or not, that's my relative. Oh yeah, that's my relative. How many relatives do you have? Well, the whole country of Congo, just about, okay? Right, so, so in the same way, my relative, another Jewish, somebody from the Jewish culture who's part of me, but, but notice this, they've been outstanding among the apostles. Here we have a man and a woman who are both outstanding among the apostles. We think of the apostles as only like the 12, but the apostolic function and ministry is for all, I mean, you know, is, is raised up by God among all people, men and women of all ages, nationalities, backgrounds. That apostolic ministry is what uh, Paul is specifically raising up here. Greet Amphilatus, whom I love in the Lord. His great affection for Urbanus, a worker, Apelles, tested and approved. Aristobulus, Herodian, from Herodias, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of historical background on many of these that I can't get into. Narcissus, who was known as a very famous freedman, um, who, who um, and this would be the, the relatives of his. I love Tryphena and Trephosa. Do you know what their main names mean? Delicate and dainty. Wouldn't you like to be sisters known as delicate and dainty? But... These women work hard in the Lord. They may be delicate and dainty, but they work hard in the Lord. Dear friend Persis, another one who has worked. This is sort of past tense, and this is where we get probably Persis maybe was older, and she was at a different stage in her life, but Paul is commending her for her hard work. There's Rufus, who may very well be one of the sons, because it's mentioned elsewhere in the scriptures, one of the sons of Simon, from Cyprus, the one who carried, remember when Jesus was on the road and stumbled with the cross and they brought in, it was Simon. Rufus is likely Simon's son. So here we have an African man, Rufus, was red, so maybe he had red hair, but he's chosen in the Lord. And his mother, who's been a mother to me, she's been like a mother to me. 
And then all of the brothers and all of the saints. And we've got all of these people who have each of them a name and a purpose which is significant to God. All of the different things which they've been engaged with, involved with, a part of. I'm so glad that we got to recognize this morning our brother who has had to leave, but from, from Japan and his family. We, you know, you may, and uh, Dr. Makoto, Makoto, you may never have heard his name in your life till you get to heaven, but I'm telling you right now that heaven has heard his name. And hell has heard his name because he is doing the work of the kingdom where he is and where God has placed and called him to be and desires for you and I in the same way to do the work that we have been called. Our name may never make it on the front page of the news. Doesn't mean it doesn't have significance. Doesn't mean it doesn't have purpose. So I just wanted to give this illustration this morning. There's so much more we could talk about here. But I want you to understand the breadth of what God is doing among women, among men, among cultures, among ages, that God has purpose for your life. Hello? <laughs> I don't know if you believe it. Remember? The perfect day, going to bed with a dream, waking up with a purpose. God has a kingdom purpose, a kingdom dream for you. All right. Instruction. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. I'm going to go through this quickly. Passage of scripture that's very significant that talks again about the aligning of and the assigning and the releasing of the priesthood of all believers. It was he, that's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right. Four words that I want you to pull out from this particular scripture. In all things grow up into him the had that is Christ. If we're going to join up, the first thing that we need to do is be connected to the head. If you aren't connected to the head it's going to be very hard for you to figure out where you're to go and what you're to do. You have to be connected to the head. A headless body is not a good-looking thing, all right? 
So we have a head that is Christ. He is our source. The head is above and he is the source of everything that we have and everything that we do. And we are to submit to him and one another, as it says in Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we get ourselves into place of submission with him, and I'm telling you, I have learned over the last several years, more deeply than I ever have in my life, the significance and importance of submission. It really, you don't graduate from there. You just go deeper into that. Submission to Christ and submission to one another is essential for the functioning of the priesthood of all believers. Having that connection. Coordination. Joined and held together by every supporting ligament. The reason my arm can do this is a complex thing. There's numbers of things involved. There's muscles, there's skin, there's um, blood vessels, there's all of those things. But the thing that's connecting these things, the, the, the joints and the ligaments are the things that really connect us to one another. And that really has to do, flows from Christ and functions in relationship. If I'm going to join up and be a part of the priesthood of all believers, I need to know who the other believers alongside of me are. I need to be in relationship with them. And it is the, it is the, (coughs) excuse me, it is those ligaments and tendons and joints that supply life to us. And the flow of Christ moves. All ministry flows out of relationship, vertically and horizontally. You can't do it alone. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. All right? He has lost. And this is, Paul's talking about someone in the church in Colossians who had lost connection with the head. When you lose connection with the head, you lose connection with the one from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. We will not mature. We will not grow into the fullness of what God has for us outside of relationship outside of coordinated connection with God and with one another. Okay? This isn't complex, but it is foundational and significant, and we must come back to it again. Communication. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is like a double-edged sword. There is truth. We are true to the word of God. And there is love. We are alive in the spirit of God. Truth and life of love together create communication that builds up. It says in Ephesians 4.25, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me give you a definition of unwholesome talk, which is different than what you may have heard in the past. Unwholesome talk doesn't simply mean not using bad words. Unwholesome talk is speaking the truth without love. You can be right on, right true, but if it's not coming out of a heart of love, your words can tear down and destroy, even when they're true if it's not coming out of a heart of love. So it's truth in love. Love without truth 
It's like a wet noodle, you know? It's nice, but it doesn't do much. It's not going to bring life. We need to be true to the word, alive in the spirit of God who is love, reaching into lives. That's the kind of communication that we need. And then contribution, as each part does its work. As each part does its work. You know, we, we really have, I, I don't think we understand this fully, but in America, our culture, and it's a culture that's, I think, not only in America, it's around the world, specifically in the arena of sports, which I really like sports. I mean, I do. I actually love playing sports, and, and I even like watching some sports. Um, but we, we've come into this spectator mentality. We really have. We've got a spectator mentality. You know the definition of football, which is, um, you know, a, a group of men on the field who are in desperate need of rest, surrounded by thousands and thousands of individuals who are in desperate need of exercise. Okay? That's, that's really what it's like. All right? We, we have perverted and distorted. We really have. Church into a spectator sport. We really have. I've shared this before, but let me just share it again. The picture, see, you, the, the traditional picture of church, you're the audience, right? And the people up here are the actors doing something for the audience, and God is the one who's prompting. Okay? So God's prompting the actors to do something for the audience. That's not true. He's the audience. We are the actors. And the people up here are prompting us. So the question isn't, how did the worship team do today? Did they play songs that I really liked? It's, Lord, how did I do in worship before you this morning? The question is, you know, not to have roast preacher for lunch. You know, man alive. Oh, yeah, I've read all those names. It was so boring. How did I listen today? Lord, what did you speak into my life? Because he's an audience of one. And we've got to reverse that. We really do. So as each part does its work, when we grab hold of that, we realize that every single one of us has a contribution to make. Every one of us. Each one of us has value and significance, and there's, each one of us has an assignment. Like it says just earlier in Ephesians 4, 7, but to each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, or as Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, he says, but in fact God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. If we were all doing my part, it would get, you know, services would get really long, Okay. 
because we'd all be bringing a message. You know, whatever, if every one of us, God has arranged, and each of us has an assignment which has significance. It really does have significance. The people who drive, every week there's people who are driving, our Bhutanese brothers and sisters here to church. Unbelievable significance. Unbelievable significance. People working with our kids, unbelievably significant what they do. Way beyond what we see or understand or know. All of the, you know, the behind-the-scenes parts of a body that go on in just the life of a congregation. And not just even in the public services, but everything else. The people that go to the hospital, the people that call people who are shut in, the people who are doing the various acts of kindness and service, those that are reaching out to their neighbors and their coworkers and their friends, those that are praying, significance, value, variety. I guess the question is, are you doing the work God's called you to do? So the application is, is this, to prepare God's people for works of service. This is what joining up is all about. This is part of being in the priesthood of all believers is to join up and do the work. What is that work? Well, Three simple things. The Great Commission, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The Great Commission, to go into all of the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Great Concern, which is, this is, you know, religion that doesn't take care If we're not taking care of the widow, the poor, the vulnerable, the helpless, then we are not fully completing the mandate that he has given to us. These are the works of service into which he has called us as the people of God. It's not about gathering together and being comfortable together. It's wonderful to be together. It's important and significant. Do not give up. Meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing it, but encouraging one another. The purpose of our gatherings is to encourage us to breathe air in so that we can go out and bring that air into a world that is highly in need of some heavenly oxygen. People sometimes say, well, it's too bad now that we have to go back out into the real world. This is the real world. This is the world we're bringing out into the rest of our world. We don't compartmentalize. God doesn't. So this summer, one of the things, one of the ways we're going to try to pay attention to this is by doing 90 days of blessing. And if you have your bulletin, there's an insert in here that gives you some ideas about this 90 days of blessing. It's from now until Labor Day. Through the summer, we are inviting us as a congregation, to pay attention to being a blessing. The Lord had said to Abram, remember Genesis 12, this is where we began our series with Abraham. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. One of the three strands of our DNA is that we're to be a life-giving community living out God's mission to reach all peoples. This summer we're focusing on that calling. I invite you to ask the Lord how you might be a blessing in your world. Here are some ideas to get you started. Adopt a street and pray. Pray blessing over your street and neighborhood or another as the Lord directs. 
for more information, you can go to blessminnesota.org. There's a movement that's happening. They're identifying. They've got a website in every street. They're seeking to have every street in Minnesota covered in prayer. You can take your street or another and begin to pray. Connect with your neighbors and coworkers. Host a neighborhood or work barbecue. Organize, participate in a national night out gathering. Mow a neighbor's lawn. Have coffee with a coworker. Open up your heart, your home. Pray. Care for the vulnerable. Look for ways to bless the lost, the last, the least, the lonely, the left out. That was Pastor Sam, by the way, not me. Ask God to enlarge your heart and engage your hands. Focus on extended family. Reach out to relatives with whom you've been disconnected. Organize an extended family gathering. Send a card. Send an email. Make a phone call. Pray. Connect with ministry to kids. Join the day camp team. Host a backyard Bible club. Be a counselor or helper at Sand Hill Lake Bible Camp. Help send a kid to camp. Do a scholarship. We need help. Look for divine appointments. Intentionally pay attention to God-given opportunities to witness, to pray, to serve, and care for those he brings across your path. Who will you bless this summer? 90 days of blessing. Who will you bless? Because we exist for those who are not yet here. We exist for those who are not yet here, who are not yet in the kingdom. That's the purpose. That's when we get out of bed in the morning with a purpose. Lord, who can I bless today? Who have you put before me? God, some divine appointments. We pray for, Net and I pray for divine appointments. We pray for favor um, in, in where we're going and what we're doing. We pray for that all the time, that we might be a blessing in our world where God has placed us. All right? Got it? Okay. Worship team, come on up. And we've had a lot of, uh, Amy said it well, it's a blessing service today. So we've had a lot of blessing today. That's right, we have. And now it's your turn. You may not have gotten to come up here this morning and got blessed in prayer, but you're going to get the opportunity to get blessed in prayer as you go this morning. Because I'm going to bless us together as the people of God. All right, so can we stand to our feet? Um, many years ago, I don't get many songs. Are we doing, which one are we doing? Okay. I, uh, actually wrote this song. Well, I don't know. God just gave it to me in the night. That's how it comes. And it's out of John 17 and talks about the glory of the Lord coming. And it's when we come together, when we join up together, if my people will come together, my glory will come down. So... Uh, it would be helpful. Could we just take hands this morning just as a physical demonstration together of our oneness in the Lord? You can even cross the aisles. That's okay. Let's just take hands and um, let's uh, together come together and join up together as the people of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We are your people. Amen. Just open your hands, if you would, for blessing. And this morning, Lord, I pray for your people as they stand here before you, God, with this great promise and truth that you've given to us, that your glory will come. And we will gather. And we will be one. Lord, I pray for the joining up 
the joining up of each one to you, the head, and to one another. And that out of that will flow life from this house to bring glory to you, not only now, but for all eternity, Lord. So with hands open, I pray that the Spirit of the living God will activate within you the gifts and graces that he has placed within you, that they will be stirred up and released for his purposes. That we would fulfill the great commandment, the great commission, and the great concern in our day and in our time. And that he will receive all of the glory. And now I pray that you would be filled afresh even this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son. And the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit will be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. Go. Go in the grace and goodness of the Lord with His favor over your life as a banner until we gather again, either in this house or our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. Go. In the grace of God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout this morning. Hallelujah.